The first round of the 2023 NFL Draft is in the books, and what a first round it was. Tons of trades, some really big takeaways from some teams making moves, and some teams really, let's be honest, blowing it, I think, on Thursday <laughs> night, 1 through 31. Coming up right now on Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise, and maybe some of you hadn't thought about it, but NFL draft season, you're like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I'd like my crack at this. Well, now's your shot. Download Ultimate Football GM, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. Uh, our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise, by the way, in-game using promo code Locked On from Ultimate Football GM. Well, let's just start at the top and run down this thing. And not many right. takeaways from the, the worst-kept secret in the NFL, which is the Carolina Panthers drafting Bryce Young number one overall. I think we've talked a lot about this already. We've already pictured what he'll look like in that uniform. Does size matter? We'll find out over the course of the next three, four, five years and maybe beyond for the Panthers. Yeah, we can talk about that down the line. That, because that's the team that, potatoes, right. the, if there's any team that owned the NFL draft, it was the Houston Texans. And I, I, um, I, so I was watching the beginning of the first round, knowing the 49ers didn't have a pick. And we went late. We went live a little bit later in the draft. I mm -hmm. was with my son. We had a pizza place having a good time. I was watching the beginning of the draft. Didn't even have the volume on. And I kind of booed silently to myself. Maybe, maybe the table next to me heard it when I saw CJ Stroud, number two to the Texans. <laughs> Cause I thought, ah, oh, this is going to be no fun. Is this what kind of draft it's going to be? And right. then a couple minutes later, boom, Texans back on the clock at pick three coming back up, making that trade from 12 to three with the Arizona Cardinals for Will Anderson. So they kind of did it backwards of what I expected. And maybe that makes sense. They still paid a, a decent price. Uh, if you if you look, Matt, at what they gave up, which was they gave up. It was a lot. Yeah, pick 33, next year's first. They give, they give up the quarterback price to go get Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. But if you just switch it in your brain and say, well, they and moved. What's the difference, right? Yeah. Really, that it's, then it's the right price to go from 12 to 1. And um, so I love it. In that regard, and the D'Amico Ryans era starts with a bang. They got a franchise defensive player that is wired the way they want, high character player, and then they got their quarterback as well in C.J. Stroud at two and didn't let anybody else jump up in front of them or, or do anything and, and let the guys in their division get the quarterback that they like second. Yeah, I, I thought they gave a lot to go to three, but I thought the same thing too. Like, what if they took Anderson and then, you know, Stroud was the third pick, like, oh, he got their quarterback. And, you know, right. And, and I'm sure that deal was in place. So it's just semantics of who they take it to and who they take it three. I'm sure that was a done deal. And so this part morning, of it, or you're, you know, before I saw what the, the trade was, I thought, oh, maybe they're just genius going quarterback first there because that way, when you're talking trade, you're like, well, we're not even, we're not going to pay the quarterback price because we're not moving up for a quarterback. Right. So I thought maybe it would be less, but it ended up being quite a bit. And so maybe just making sure, look, we have to get the quarterback at two it, just in case someone comes in with a huge offer. 
and, and steals away pick number three. We lose the defensive end. We don't lose the quarterback. Yeah. So well played by the Texans. I like it for them. As long as CJ Stroud is the dude, then um, and I fully believe in in Will Anderson as well and uh, changing the culture, changing the entire franchise. This is this is a draft that really alters the future of Houston Texans football to come. And that might have been from the owner. Like, if you're going to screw around a little third pick, make sure that quarterback's in the books, and I'm cool with the move. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just make sure that quarterback's a Texan when you do this shenanigans with, with Arizona. So I love it from the Cardinals' perspective. I mean, as disastrous as their roster is, now they have a lot of stuff. I think, I don't know, I can't seem to find this confirmed, but I think the future first is the Browns' pick, not the Texans' pick, which could be I just saw today that it's the Texans' pick. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah, that could be third overall. Right. And the Cardinals might get the first pick anyway, right? They that's may have two top good. three picks. Yeah, they might get one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Teams starting a rookie quarterback from jump don't have a great record in the NFL. And and by the way, that. who's CJ Stroud throwing to? And they don't have pick 33 to draft that guy either. The, the Texans. Right. Either. Right. 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 So it makes sense for the Texans. You got the two guys on the billboard, one on each side of the ball, high character dudes, quarterback, you know, Bama dude, all that. But I like it from Arizona's perspective. I think even better. Yeah, more on Arizona who were active and moving around and and maybe got their guy they would have taken at number three. And then pick four, just kind of standing pat, was Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts and uh, swinging for the fences, going with the high upside in Anthony Richardson. And I like it here. They don't have to give up anything to move around. They got the, they have the, they got the talent that could be the big winner of the entire draft if he bumps his head anywhere near his ceiling i love it uh, and i give them credit for just winning the game of chicken i'm not going up going up to three i'll probably be just as happy with stroud or richardson i adore both players one's going to be there at four we're going to be really hard to play against we know the blueprint from philadelphia we even have philadelphia's backup quarterback the man the ship in the meantime i think it's great and by the way, from the Texans' perspective, that was probably part of this thought process is, okay, and judging by how the rest of the league viewed these quarterbacks we know now, with Will Levis not getting selected at all in the first round, Hendon Hooker not getting selected at all in the first round. Hope you listen to our podcast about prop bets to take the under on the four-and-a-half quarterbacks. Yeah, I thought about you, yeah. And um, if that was the case, then the the Texans were probably also thinking, look, we only like three and if we don't make the trade to three, maybe the Titans do. And then our division, both our division rivals got quarterbacks and we don't like a guy at 12 at quarterback. So mm-hmm. that's part of it as well. No, I think that's a good way of looking at it. The Seattle Seahawks at five going with Devin Witherspoon cornerback there, which was a little bit of a surprise. And, and this draft was so fun. There were so many trades, so many shocking picks, really good player. But uh, I don't think I saw many mock drafts that had Witherspoon going five to the Seattle Seahawks. Absolutely not. And Jumping ahead a little because people probably understand or realize by now Jalen Carter went nine. Mm-hmm. When four teams before nine didn't take Carter, I thought these red flags are pretty real. And starting with Seattle, I got no problem with the Witherspoon pick. I mean, Gonzalez, a really good player. Uh, Gonzalez fell. Maybe they weren't as close as I had originally thought. I heard Gonzalez's interviews weren't wonderful. But now – Two years in a row, it, you got like number one corners. I mean, that's a great way to start your defense. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. And pick number six was at one point the Detroit Lions, but the Arizona Cardinals, after moving to 12, moved back up to six. And Matt, we saw this just a couple of drafts ago in 2021. The Miami Dolphins went from three to 12 
back up to six and they ended up with Jalen Waddle because they wanted to, you know, they, at 12, they, they, they couldn't turn down the package of draft picks that they got for moving down, but they wanted a player that was higher than 12. And this, mm-hmm. the Arizona Cardinals did the exact same thing. And a lot of the late mock drafts had uh, Paris Johnson Jr. go into the Arizona Cardinals at three if they stuck. Yeah, yeah. And clearly there was a connection there because they went back up to six to get Paris Johnson Jr. And in the end, when you look at this whole trade, what they ended up doing is added a future first, and went from maybe a really high one and went from pick 34, which they used to trade up, but got 33 back. So they moved up one spot in the second round. Mm-hmm. If you if you combine both trades, they went up one spot in the second round, added a future first round pick and got the guy they were going to take at three anyway in Paris Johnson. That's awesome. I mean, for a team that needs everything, great. Uh, is he the sixth best player in this draft? I don't know, but I know he's a left tackle and. We'll get to my Steelers, of course. But you have a left tackle on five-year cost-controlled. That's almost as good as having a quarterback. You know what I mean? So that in itself is wonderful. Good for them. He's also played guard. You know, I mean, he'll he'll be a good player for them. Maybe he's not a superstar. They don't need superstars. They need quality starters on cheap deals for a long time. And this is fi- fantastic. I think we said on yesterday – I didn't love Paris Johnson at three prop, but I loved Paris Johnson as a Cardinal prop. So that worked out too. We, we said a couple go. good things in our prediction show. Well, I think we did. If you go yeah. back and keep score, we did all right in our pr- predictions in our, in our prop bets yesterday. So uh, oh, I have to take two seconds to toot my own horn. Okay. Like three hours before the draft, I said, I think the top four are going young Anderson Stroud with a trade and Richardson. So I was pretty damn close. Yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. Well done, man. Yeah, I had to per- well done. Well Raiders. done for the Raiders. Just kind of kicking it at pick yeah, seven, not doing yeah, anything, yeah. And, and collecting Tyree Wilson, who a lot of people uh, thought might have even ended up being the first non-quarterback drafted in this class at pick number seven. So solid pick there for the Raiders and uh, you know high upside player, and we'll see what he ends up being for that Las Vegas Raiders team. Edge, not really the biggest need, but that was sort of just, well, he, he's the highest on our board, so we're going to draft him. Yeah, and I wonder what that means for Chandler Jones. I mean, is he out now? Are they going to trade him for a seventh-round pick tomorrow or something like that? You know what's interesting? I think I saw that comparison by a certain analyst. Yeah, was was Chandler Jones the comparison to Tyree Wilson earlier on in the process? Really good one, yeah. But um, now they should have a good pair of edge rushers. Keeping a strength of strength there and, and keep that edge strong. Next. What do you think of this one? We got uh, we got right, go, 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 right, for a yeah. second because things started to get really weird at about pick eight. Even though there was so much action in front, uh, there was even more gasps and shocking picks and trades from eight all the way down through thirty-one. But especially the next grouping of selections here, and we'll get to all of them on today's Peacock and Williamson. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of making your own draft picks, you think you could run a team better than some of these NFL GMs? Well, now's your shot. Ultimate Football GM. Manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build a historic dynasty. You get control in Ultimate Football GM of every part of the destiny of your team. Hiring the right coaches and coordinators. You want to run a certain scheme on offense and defense. Then you find the right coach to run that scheme and then find the players to also fit that scheme. Manage all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms. Navigate your franchise through free agency. Of course, the draft. Injuries, player personnel issues. Uh, every every aspect of ups and downs and some things you might not suspect that pop up during a season of Ultimate Football GM. All in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM, completely free playable offline play on the go 
as you want to and when you want to. And Locked On listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in the game store. So check it out today. Go to ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. Running back at eight, Matt. I'm going to take a second to breathe while you talk about the Falcons going running back after they just had a fifth-round rookie rush for 1,000 yards last year. I know. It's a perfect example of Tyler Algier, the fifth-round pick, who's ordinary as they come, but he's a fine player. Great. You know, you only use fifth-round pick on him. That's value. He can run behind this line. But what if Bijan would have went for 1,800 in the same circumstances? Is that worth the eighth pick plus all the stuff he can do in the pass game? I like it, and I like it because I don't love the top of this draft, and I know Bijan's going to be really good, and maybe even the best back in the league in six months from now. I mean, that soon. And my other thought on it is one of the things I, I talk about with backs being drafted high is if it makes a young quarterback's life a lot easier, I'll condone it more. And I'm not even necessarily talking about Ritter. I might be talking about next year's quarterback. That's a great landing spot for a quarterback next year. On the plus side, he's a good player, and they got a, yep. a good player, and you know probably a very low likelihood of being a bust injury aside. Uh, but the injury factor is always there for running backs, which is one of the big keys why running backs are are worth less in this day and age in the NFL. Um, but uh, you know another thing that really helps quarterbacks, Matt, is receivers, and he can do that, which I like. So big time, yeah. Both of these first round running backs, they can help in the passing game, which is huge. So that that is uh, another plus side thing. But you know what also helps is you know wide receivers, and you know what also helps is offensive line. And you know what sometimes is underrated that really helps a quarterback is a really good defense that gives the ball back mm-hmm. to your quarterback over and over again. And that's what I'm worried about for this team and this Atlanta Falcons team. And there's a team in their division, and it kind of dawned on me right when they made the pick of Bijan Robinson. Did the Atlanta Falcons just become the 2017 Carolina Panthers, where you hit on a really talented player, but like does it result yeah. in wins? Oh, it might not result in wins. I mean, I get that part. And that's probably the strongest argument is, oh, Saquon was good, but how many games did you win with the guy? You know, I mean. Right. It was Christian McCaffrey. And, right. And, good point. You know, that's, um, and I think that's, you know, a comp for what you're trying to get there with, with B. John Robinson run pass game. And, uh, you know, dynamic player, really good player. And I wish it wasn't the case, but running back value is just very low. More on running back value coming up. But the this is, let's be honest, this was a Howie Roseman flex. Big they time. did not need to trade up to pick nine because clearly the Chicago Bears didn't care who they were going to take. They spent a fourth round pick to go from 10 to nine. And if the Bears were going to take Jalen Carter, they would not have done that trade. So I think this was Howie Roseman trying to trade up all day long. Couldn't get it done. And was like, I'm going to think he had pick answers pick. pants. He's like, I don't want somebody to get the nine. I don't want the Bears to trade to somebody else. I, I know the Bears don't want him. I, I just have to get this guy. He's the best player out there. I, I just so think a got perfect yeah. example of. Uh, a team that really, really believes in in value and positional value versus the two teams that took running backs in the first round because right, right. the the Philadelphia Eagles already have one of the best defensive lines in the league. They traded up and then drafted another defensive lineman in this draft. So you can tell, like, just organizational philosophy how different it is with a team like the Eagles, who there's a lot of evidence that they're the ones doing it right right now. Right. Draft running backs. And so I'll get off my running back soapbox for at least a couple picks here, but uh, Jalen Carter to the Eagles. If it turns out, it's just like scary up front. 
I've said many times, I think Carter and Bijan are the best two players in this draft, and they both had flags. None of them are Bijan's fault. All of them are Carter's fault. And I also think the fact that he fell till nine, those flags are real. You know, they're not just, oh, he likes to play Xbox too much. No, there's flags. But what an amazing landing spot. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, the two Georgia guys from last year. And then they get Norlin Smith, who, by the way, I mocked to them a couple a week or so ago. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the cushiest landing spot for him on a winning team. So I adore it, but there's a reason he fell to dying, folks. Yep, absolutely. Pick 10 was the Chicago Bears. They moved from one to nine, moved back one more spot, collecting a fourth rounder, ended up selecting at pick 10 and went offensive line. But Darnell Wright, uh, interesting. They went right tackle. Big winner here is probably Braxton Jones, who was their fifth round mm-hmm. pick last year. Started I think they like him. Yeah. as a rookie, played pretty well. Um, I, I didn't know how the organization was going to feel about him if he was truly a long-term guy, but big stamp of approval for him. And so it looks like they might have their long-term bookends in Chicago now. I also think his play demeanor, his physicality fits the sloppy ground in Chicago mm-hmm. and a running quarterback and a big runner, you know, like I, I think his style of play and the right tackle versus left tackle thing gave him the nod over Skaronsky or Jones. Speaking of Skaronsky, he went the very next pick, a little run on offensive lineman here, and uh, no Will Levis, no trading up for a quarterback. Yeah. Tennessee Titans staying there and getting a, a blue-collar offensive lineman, Peter Skaronsky. I'm going to keep it real short and simple. I think they'll be very happy with Peter Skaronsky. I don't know what the next sentence is, but I think they'll be very happy with Peter Skaronsky. And they may end up with Levis still. Something was very striking to me in this draft versus last year when they flashed to the Tennessee Titans draft room after the trade last year, when they traded away AJ Brown and ended up drafting um, uh, uh, Burks in the first round. And then this year when they flashed to the, the, the war room for the Tennessee Titans last year, I mean, Mike Ribble's beside himself. He was upset and you could tell this, this year, not only was he happy about it, he was in charge. I don't even, I don't even know if I saw, new GM Rand mm. Carthon in the picture when they flashed to the to the to the war room of the Titans like this is clearly Mike Vrabel's show and I think this pick kind of shows it this is a very Mike Vrabel type of a pick and makes sense you know I mean I'm not saying he's Belichick he doesn't have that many you know pelts on the wall but mm-hmm. I can understand why he would be a czar you know like Belichick he's a phenomenal coach and I think he continually gets more out of that team than most coaches would so it's very deserved to me I didn't have that advantage. The game's, you know, it's on in front of me, but I'm on the air. I, I have a hard time paying attention to those little nuances. So very cool. Jameer Gibbs. The biggest shocker of the entire first round to me, Matt, was Jameer Gibbs. Not only because it was a running back and a, the second running back going this early, but nobody had him going to the Lions, any of their picks. Nobody had Jameer Gibbs going this high in the first round. Yet it was the Detroit Lions after moving back from 6 to 12, drafting Jameer Gibbs running back out of Alabama my favorite bet was over under or over one and a half running backs in the first round but I never I thought I was gonna be winning by the skin of my teeth you know like a 27th pick or something I've been saying forever I think the the writing on the wall and the tea leaves are they hate DeAndre Swift I don't think he's gonna be a lion when we get together on Monday and, you can tell that by the usage last right year. They're always frustrated with them anyone that has Swift on their fantasy team are like this guy does everything get him out there they don't like him whatever and Gibbs is a receiver. But <laughs> you had such resources, and you left this draft with a running back and an off-the-ball linebacker. Like, 
that's catastrophic to me. It's it's the two positions that if I was running a team, I would probably almost never draft in the first right. round right. and certainly not at picks 12 and 18. And you have all of this capital to really turn the corner as a franchise and, and you're trying to go make playoffs and you're trying to, you know, build this thing. And you're a team that has in my lifetime been to the playoffs once They're the least successful franchise yeah. in the league. You know and that? you have all of this, all these resources. To me, it's just a complete waste of resources that you're trying to build. Even if you hit on these players, do you really hit? And the track record is awful for first-round off-ball linebackers. Uh, even though Jack Campbell, looking ahead to pick 18, is a good player. And, you know, we've talked about how many wins a, a running back gives you as a franchise. And isn't this the same team that just lost games like 48 to 45 last year? You know, uh, how much better... <laughs> How much better did your pass defense get because you you drafted a running back and an off-ball linebacker? So I always hate the arguments you get that, didn't you know you could have got this guy 10 picks later? And it comes out of the mouth of an accountant sitting on his couch drinking beers. You know, like, you don't know that. I don't know that. BP doesn't know that. But I feel like you got no value whatsoever in either one of these picks. Right. And, yeah, it, it, my argument to that is, oh – you could have had this guy later, or we don't know if this guy would have been there later and they liked him. My, my response to that is always, who cares? It's not a one-player <laughs> right. draft. It's not a one-player draft. Who cares? Let another team draft them. Yeah. You go draft another good player. Take Christian Gonzalez. Right. Yeah. Pick 13, Lucas Van S. Is that the guy that the Packers really, uh, the apple of their eye that they wanted to swap picks with with the New York Jets? I think nothing ever changes in Green Bay. You know, like, Gudekust or no matter who it is, I would have taken Smith Najigba, but I do think the league was lower on Smith Najigba than I was. You know, I think that proved to be true. Mm -hmm. But they're going to take big, rugged, versatile defensive players in the first round every year, and their yep. defense and, still isn't good. And that's Gutekust, what makes me crazy. It's, it's always going to be a. It's usually a height, weight, speed player too. Yes, so yes, yes. Factor, so that's always something to remember with this regime. It's not going to be an undersized guy. That's an outlier. You know. How much do you love what your Pittsburgh Steelers did, Matt? I mean, just judging by what happened after pick 14. So the Steelers moved up using a fourth round pick, correct? To go from 17 to yep. 14, which is not super expensive. No, right. In, in These the trade-ups weren't very expensive to move up a spot or two yeah. through the whole draft. Yeah. And to go in front of the Jets to get Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from Georgia, who if he hits his upside, I love Broderick Jones. I think I like him more than most because of what he could be. And I think what he's not great at is fixable because he's such yep. a young player, red shirt, sophomore, but he could be the best offensive lineman in this draft very easily. And very soon, because he's already a very good run blocker and he's a good pass blocker. He just, you know, makes some mistakes and a little bit raw. And so can get better with technique, but athletically and physically, he's got everything. So I love this for the Steelers going up and getting Broderick Jones a pick 14. And it really did feel like while the jets were on the clock, they were like, Oh crap! This oh, is I think that's one hundred percent true. It felt that way, right? They used like every second of their of their time too. Like they were going to take Broderick Jones. I believe that wholeheartedly. And you're one hundred percent right. I, I think he's nobody knows who Dan Moore Jr. is. He's the left tackle for the Steelers. He's fine. I mean, Broderick Jones may not even be a Week One starter. You know, I mean, just he needs coached up. But he could be the best lineman in the draft. He's the best forty in the draft. He only has nineteen career starts. Won the national championship twice during that time. You know, like. He's probably a three contract guy. He's turns 22 in a couple of weeks. 
I adore it. You know, left hand again, it's just shopping in the right aisles. Right. And you if have you a left tackle on the cheap, if you believe that he's wired in the right way and that mm-hmm. he will work to achieve that ceiling, no brainer pick for me. Exactly. They spent a ton of time. They took him to dinner and they spent a ton of time with him and they feel very comfortable with him. You know, what was crazy about this draft is the shockers weren't really got. We didn't have that third round grade consensus player that went in the first round. They just, no. there was some players that just went, you know, kind of a lot earlier and we're in a different tier uh, on certain teams, draft boards. Gibbs was one of those picks and um, Will McDonald at 15 for the jets after the Steelers went in yeah. front of them. That felt like one of the similar picks where it was like, okay, this guy's probably a fringe first round, second round guy, maybe late first round guy, a lot of traits, but I don't think anybody saw him in that tier of clear first round pick 15 types of players. And that doesn't mean that the jets are wrong. Maybe he is that guy, but mm-hmm. I didn't really hear an analyst really pound on the table. Will McDonald's going to go in the top 15. I mean, it's a very Niner pick. It's a Salah pick. You know, like I want hockey lines of defensive linemen, and he's different than some of the other dudes. But I do very much believe that they went, oh, crap. We're out of offensive linemen to protect Rodgers here. We want to get out, and we can't. And not only the Broderick Jones, but I think the Green Bay Packers, that pick swap of 13 and 15, I would not be shocked at all if after that Lions pick, the Jets were like, yes, awesome. L- running back went there. So we still have Lucas Van Ness and Broderick Jones that we're probably going to draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. Those guys were gone. And the Jets were like, Oof, okay, we got to wow. go to plan B here. Gap. Yep. I hear you. A big win for the outliers in this NFL draft. Not only Byron, uh, Young, uh, Bryce Young going number one. Mm-hmm. Byron Young still on the board from Alabama. Defensive tackle. Other Byron Young from Tennessee still on the board as well from uh, <laughs> edge rusher. Uh, but Emmanuel Forbes, 166 pounds. He's 20 pounds away from being still uh, a little bit light, but Washington Commanders drafted him at uh, number 16, Will McDonald, undersized edge at 15. So big yeah, win for the outliers. Ahead of Gonzalez, which I think is really noteworthy. Forbes is up to 170 in his pro day. So before you know it, he'll be like 250. That guy's just pounding oh, pieces dang, left okay. and right. <laughs> I gained four pounds in, a, uh, in that span as well, I think. I could do it during this podcast. <laughs> Tremendous football player. There's just one negative. He's unbelievably skinny. Patriots doing very Patriotsy things next. We'll get through the rest of the picks in the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. But first, how about our friends at Built Bar that continue to make unbelievably amazing bars? The the peanut butter puff, the newest at Built.com. You got to try these protein bars because everyone's looking for those delicious snacks that can fit into your diet. You don't want all the sugar and all the calories. Then Built is absolutely for you. Healthy is tasty. Built Bars and Built Puffs, unbelievable. Even the protein Built Balls that they've got there now, the peanut butter protein balls I'm excited about. 100% real chocolate usually envelops most Built Bars as well, so you really feel like you're getting a treat. Flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. But it's all about the macros at Built Bar. That's the key. Only 130 calories in most built bars, only four grams of sugar, but with a whopping 17 grams of protein. If you're if you ever talk to a nutritionist and they're talking about your diet, it's always about getting more protein into your diet and fewer calories and fewer sugar, right? And that's exactly what you can do with built bars. And when you grab a snack that has all that protein, it keeps you satisfied longer as well. And not only can you find all the flavors and varieties at built.com, but you can find them on your local store shelves at as well. Walmart. Four box, uh, four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puff in the pharmacy section at Walmart. And then Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box of hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. Then you can thank us later and, of course, find all of them at built.com. 
classic Patriots move. Trade yeah. them down. They always go down. And who fit better for the Patriots than man-to-man cornerback Christian Gonzalez, who was just sitting there for him at 17 after a move down? I and mean, when the Steelers moved up, I'm like, is it for Jones or Gonzalez? Either would make all the sense in the world. They're the two biggest needs. And the Patriots might have been thinking the same thing, that we like them both. We'll just t- take the fourth-round pick, grab our guy. Cool. I-, I mean, he was the biggest dropper, I would say, that shocked me. Uh, we talked about Jack Campbell. Yeah, I do want to just say one more thing about the Detroit Lions because in our network-wide mock draft, Matt Derry, host of Locked on Lions, Drafted Kalijah Cansey at pick six, and he was crushed by everybody. Lions fans, people were like, oh, I can't believe it. I liked Derry's draft better than the real Lions draft. Even yeah. with the roots. <laughs> yeah, and then Cansey goes right after their pick here. Yep. Kalijah Cansey going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Very different than Vita Vea, so that's a that's a unique pairing inside for them. They announced him as a D-end, which you can't, oh, I don't look too much into those things, oh. but they always have the Pierre Paul big DN type. I don't think he has the length of that. He's really short arms. Yeah, I, I think he's a part time them... interior rusher, but a good one. I think they, I could see him trying him outside. Yeah, yeah, field, yeah, yeah. But, um, better than inside, most likely. But yeah, I mean, obviously, rushing from in the interior is where Kalajic Hans is going to make his money. And if he's worth this pick at all, he's got to be great because he might not be a super valuable early down player. Exactly, exactly. And that is value. Then Jackson Smith and Jigba, the first wide receiver off the board to the Seattle Seahawks at pick 20. Like what the Seahawks did, you know, they they didn't do anything crazy, but got really good players and good and at least really good value. I think here in Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, a nice, a nice fit for, for their offense. Who's a very different player than DK Metcalf. And you can kind of see how, you know, going forward when certain players age out, then you got Jackson Smith and Jigba in there. and, And so I like it for the Seahawks. Good, good value here. That's what I was about to say. It starts a crazy wide receiver run. Smith the Jigba, Metcalf, and Lockett are all very different in terms of playing style, age, time they have left, money, all that stuff. So I love it. It's a minor criticism because I don't have a problem with either one of Seattle's picks, but I'm a little surprised neither was a big person. Uh, just because of their MO, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but they've been putting together just they've just been building a, a good team, putting together a lot of more, a lot more talent onto the roster the last couple of drafts are doing there and they probably watched a lot of cooper cup in the division recently and envisioned jackson smith and jigba in that role especially after Mm -hmm. lockett leaves so he starts out as the number three lockett goes and then you've got a a target hog you know over the middle player well dk metcalf does his thing on the outside good point yep so the run on wide receivers here 21 los angeles chargers selecting quentin johnston so there was no wide receivers then four in a row 22 Baltimore Ravens. By the way, congratulations on the the re-signing uh, the extension for Lamar, uh, for yeah, Lamar yeah. Jackson that came down before. So tons of news. We can't cover everything with as much time as we have here on this podcast. Already going over time, but uh, Zay Flowers then the selection at pick 22 for the Baltimore Ravens. Pick 23 Minnesota Vikings going Jordan Addison out of USC. Someone you watch locally a lot at Pitt. I have no qualms with any of them. I mean, I have a hard time ranking those three. Who's two, three, four in my receiver ranks? I could change any day. I give the Ravens credit for saying, oh, Odell just didn't fix our receiver room. I mean, guys hurt, old, and expensive. You know, like, he might be fine, but Zay Flowers is a really good player. Like, you can't be mad at the Ravens right now no. about, you know, first of all, about not paying Lamar. They, they ponied up and gave him more than what hurts got. And maybe that was the last thing they needed to get over the finish line. And, and, and they're, they've, they've put resources into wide receiver as much as yeah. any team this off season. Off season started unbelievably slow for them. And I'm sure frustrating, but that's a smart organization. Yeah. 
patience. Patience paid off for the uh, Baltimore Ravens there. How about Deontay Banks corner out of Maryland to the New York Giants at 24? And then uh, actually maybe one of the, the big shockers here was Dalton Kincaid. Like right area. Everyone had Kincaid kind of late one in their mocks, but I don't think anybody had him attached to the Buffalo Bills at 25. No, I, I, I kind of feel like that receiver run hurt the Bills. Like, oh, no, we wanted to get a pass catcher, and four of them went in a row. So we'll get the next best pass catcher, and we'll detach them and use them in the slot and keep digs on the outside. So I'm cool with it. And Banks makes a ton of sense for the Giants, too. They play with more defensive backs on the field than anyone. And I always say this, please try to name seven Giants defensive backs, listeners. Good luck. And the fact that they went up in front of the Cowboys who could have taken I think that stunned them. Clear yeah. that they were like, okay, we want a pass catcher. And Dalton Kincaid is, is in the pass catching category. He's not so much in the tight end category. Yeah. I thought Dallas might pivot and take Michael Mayer, but maybe they saw a gap there between a number one like tight a good end. Fit. I, I mean, I thought tight yeah. end to uh, Dallas all day, no matter who went in front of them, because the, the value was there. They went Mozzie Smith swinging for the fences with uh, with an interior defensive tackle. And by the way, that was the Jacksonville Jaguars moving back twice. They went from 24 to 25, and then the Buffalo Bills coming up from 27 as well with the Jaguars. And then the Jags uh, sit there at 27 after moving back a couple of times and go with Anton Harrison, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Yeah, Cowboys were a little light at the tackle. I, I'm fine with that. I commend the Jags because another unreported story is, well, their left tackle is going to get suspended for PEDs, and maybe you know, right tackle is in Kansas City right now. So all of a sudden, we better get one, and they moved down twice and still did. So good yeah. for them. And it kind of got the last guy who was like, okay, this is probably going to be a yeah, left yeah, tackle yeah. early in his career, starting caliber NFL left tackle. Yep, yep, and see how it goes. And then the first round finished with the last four picks here. Cincinnati Bengals going Miles Murphy and New Orleans Saints. Brian Brzee, defensive tackle from Clemson. Nolan Smith, edge rusher from Georgia. So back-to-back Georgia players in the first round for the Philadelphia Eagles to go with a lot of other Georgia teammates now in Philly at 30. And Felix Anadike Uzoma, Kansas City Chiefs, edge rusher out of Kansas State at 31. Love the Nolan Smith-Georgia connection and their different players. Um, pass rusher for the Chiefs, cool. You're going to play with leads, makes perfect sense. The Saints D-tackle room before yesterday was one of the worst position groups in the league. Great. And I want to talk quickly about Murphy because I think a lot of people pigeonhole a tight end, a tackle, something offensive, even a running back for the Bengals. But for the last few years, their offense has been all draft picks, all young, all cheap. Their defense has been all free agents, expensive guys. Well, that's about to totally turn 50-50. I mean, totally on its head where Burrow, Chase, all those guys, you know, they signed a left tackle. They need cheap defenders now so that the offense can be expensive and the defense can be cheap. So big run on those defensive linemen and edge guys late in the first round. But I think one of the big stories is the tight end run hasn't quite happened yet, even though Kincaid did go in round one. And I think a lot of teams looking at tight ends thought, well, they're so deep, we can still get that guy in the second round. And I'm sure the Cowboys and and Bengals are both thinking that right now. A hundred percent. And I think to a lesser degree, because this position always goes corner as well. Like day two is loaded with corners and it's loaded with tight ends. Do I want to be the first one to take one or do I want to wait and get Tucker craft at a value? You know, right. th- th- it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, speaking of corners on the clock, Matt, Philadelphia or the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers here. Yeah. And if you told, if I told you Matt yesterday that you would get Broderick Jones in the first round, if you're the Steelers and you'd be sitting there at pick 32 and your guy, Joey Porter jr. Still, 
on the board, you'd have probably been pretty excited about it. But Brian Branch is there as well. Where are the Steelers going at 32? I love both options. Um, <laughs> we were on the air and a little punch drunk after being on the air for six or seven hours or whatever. And the whole time the Chiefs were on the clock, we were like chanting, don't say Brian Branch. Don't say Brian Branch. Say any name but Brian Branch at 30 at 31. Um, I would take Branch. But frankly, the Steelers, if people don't know this, don't have a fourth, fifth, or sixth round pick, which, by the way, I have to be on the air the whole time in that desert wasteland talking about nothing <laughs> for like eight hours straight, and they don't even make a pick. I, I'm sure their phone's ringing like crazy, and you at least have to entertain some offers. And if you go down one or two, you feel pretty good about getting one of those guys and, and yeah, let them yeah. make the decision for you. But um, And yeah. there's a lot of corners. Corners are biggest need, so... I'd hate to turn my back on Branch from the Steeler perspective. Their slot situation is not great. Um, but if you can recoup a third, a fourth, a fifth, something like that, that were your light, that'd be that'd be nice. And I do want to say, like, so Will Levis fell out of the first round, and I think that's something that doesn't shock you or I, Matt, from an evaluation standpoint. We weren't super high on Will Levis, but now it's to the point where, okay, maybe that pick 32, that's what teams are calling the Steelers about. It's like, okay, well, he's still too talented, though. We're going to go get that quarterback and see what he plays like now with the chip on his shoulder, by the way, for, yeah, uh, right. for Will Levis. So I start to really like Will Levis because that's one of the things we talk about is like with the running backs. I don't hate the running backs, and they're good players. You know, I didn't hate Will Levis or Hendon Hooker. I just thought they were getting – projected too high or potentially going to be drafted too yeah, high yeah. you get to a certain point now it's like okay give me will levis all day now at this point and i'm hoping my steelers can kind of have a you know quarterback tax on that as well like mm-hmm. we're gonna go a little off the trade value chart dear tampa or tennessee give me a, a little something extra and we got a deal especially if you're going down you know 10 spots or something like right that. right so right just a couple how about this fit for will levis though before we get out of here at seattle seahawks who by like the way him. currently have a guy who was that quarterback that thought probably on draft night he was going to go in the first round? He ended up going in the second round. He ended up making good. How about that for a mentor for this quarterback that fell out of the first round? I think it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And you and I aren't as big on Hooker for reasons that aren't his fault, but I think he could be sort of in play here too. Someone might like him better. It's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, Matt and I will have it all broken down. Everything that happens on day two and day three of the NFL draft Monday and talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.